Are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? I have. And we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, uh, episode 322, year seven, week 20, coming at you this week. Does that Rachmaninoff pump you up, KS? Because that was that was your suggestion there. To, Definitely, yeah. It's, you get uh, fired up for the show when you hear that. <laughs> the, the I do. Classical tones. All right. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, and joining me today is... MC and... And KS. So, welcome, gentlemen. Uh, big news this week. Anti-vaxxers have been right all along. That's how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with it. The scumbag, the fraud, the criminal, Dr. Anthony Fauci has been caught red-handed. Some leaked emails. There was a meme. It was like, you know, the, the, the note-passing meme. And it was like Hillary Clinton passing Fauci the, the note and said should have deleted the emails. Right? I thought that was funny. Uh, but emails, Fauci emails caught basically uh, admitting early on, like these emails are dated last year, that uh, the masks don't really work for any any you know any real purpose other than you know gook, um, right? The, the the spittle that you know to prevent you from being grossed out, uh, but protection against viruses, nope, not so much, and the potential uh, that it was coming out of the Wuhan lab, uh, which. Which I saw another clip earlier today was you know Trump being asked the same question. Do you, have you seen evidence that this virus was created in a, in a Wuhan lab? And Trump went, "Yes, I have," and you know, and then and then that was refuted, disputed um, all the way through the election season, and you know until these emails have been released. So from the anti-vaxxers to the vaxxers and the Fauci supporters and everyone who wanted you to believe in the science, trust the scientist, um, you know a, a, a big f you. And a big I told you so from all of us who were skeptical at the very least. Um, and those of us who have, have seen better evidence along the way uh, now confirmed, right? Vindicated by these leaked emails from Anthony Fauci. So MC, you had, you had some thoughts on this. I don't know. Um, I think I described it the best I could for UKS. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I've got uh, never ending thoughts on this. Um, Wow, there's so much to talk about. Well, let's do it. That's why we do this like, thing. The, does it even matter whether or not um, the uh, the virus came from? Well, I mean, it does. But um, how should I say? I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm confusing myself because I'm so conflicted over all the information that's come out. Um, is <laughs> sorry, I wasn't prepared. That's okay. Does and, it and matter if it came from a Wuhan lab? And I'm getting a little bit of weird feedback on my own oh, microphone okay. here. I don't know exactly well, I'll, what it's I'll jump from. in with a comment on this. Okay. I was shocked. Well, not shocked. I, yeah, well, at any rate, I was shocked that the actual the mainstream media seemed to be backtracking and accepting it. Maybe because Biden said, oh, there's there's something to this, this whole story. Then suddenly they actually did stories saying, oh, we used to just dismiss it because it came from Trump. And now it has a credible source, Joe Biden. And I, I, I was astounded that the, I mean, it seems to me the tremendous uh, undoing of the credibility of, their, of the mainstream media to their own audience. Sure. You know, how could their own audience even take them seriously anymore when they are always saying, ah, oh, it's been debunked, been debunked. Well, and okay. Most scientists say, and then suddenly they're reversing it. To be fair, the credible source is not Joe Biden. The credible source is the leaked emails from Doctor uh, Fauci to you know whomever he was in communication with. I forget. I forget the recipients of those emails. So it's it's a little more difficult to refute, right? Like, where did those are? The, are those uh, Russian hacked emails? Are those Chinese plant emails? Well, no, they're they're from they're from Doctor Fauci, right? So 
the fact that those emails were leaked, I think, is what gives the story credibility. Um, and I think what you're seeing with the mainstream media is the attribution, right, to Joe Biden, um, because that's their boy, right? Like, well, now that Biden said it, right, now that Biden has seen the emails, then now we can consider it credible. Uh, but everyone has seen the emails at this point. So there's nothing there's nothing really to do with uh, with Joe Biden. They just they're trying to protect him. Um, and still make him seem more credible than he is by giving him, you know, attribution to the information, I guess, if, I, if, if I'm explaining that correctly. Because every, every other time I see videos of Joe Biden, it's one gaffe after another gaffe after another gaffe, and it's, my gosh, this guy. Chaos? No, I, I, I'd like to hear what Matt MC has to say about it, too, because I think that, that uh, uh, he's much more knowledgeable on the whole history of this uh of this email course i don't i don't claim to be the the most knowledgeable about about it i i I was just there and i have my own opinions i guess but have your thoughts um, been gathered from the perspective of fauci actually my thoughts are all over the place today um (laughs) from the from the perspective of fauci um (coughs) you know here here's a guy who isn't really the expert i i think about anything um you know, he's hasn't been practicing as a, a doctor for a long time. And he's, he's basically a, it's a political position that he was appointed to. Um, so he's basically a thrust into, uh, the, the mainstream, uh, media cycle. And at the beginning he seemed, he sounded pretty rational, you know, masks don't do anything except for, you know, cause a droplet to maybe not, land on you but as far as the virus is not going to do anything it's basically what he said right um and that's accurate that's what the science says but somehow <laughs> no one remembers that until these emails came out no I, it right. was played many many times through, throughout the whole pandemic and he basically after that when he decided that masks work all of a sudden he's uh, about that previous interview he said he lied oh so, okay so so why would you believe anything out of his mouth if he admits he's a liar? Um, so, but from from the his his from the perspective of him, um, he's basically a non-interesting person until this uh, virus happens, and now everybody's looking at him for you know for the truth and for the answers, and and he doesn't really have them, right? And so what I think what happened is uh, eventually he's. And, and I think, uh, what's his name? Um, what's the libertarian guy with the bow tie? Oh, um, Murray Rothbard? No. Um, oh, uh, Jeffrey Tucker. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Tucker. So he, he, he read all the emails all the way through. And what he said is, I get a sense that there was a 48-hour period, uh, I think, in, I can't remember, was it March? But anyway, he had a specific date. Of, and he of said 2020. This, right, of okay. 2020. There was... There was a 48-hour uh, period where his emails changed from, you know, not making a panic, not really uh, making a big deal about it, to all of a sudden switching. And I, and from my perspective, it's it's that he basically picked a side, and it was either, uh, you know, be rational and support some of the things that Trump say, and you know, dispute some of the things Trump say. Or just be full on anti Trump and pro Democrats. Okay. And and I and I'm not sure if it was something that caused that panic in him or if he just decided to play politics. I'm really not sure. I'm there's so many people that are just, you know, hateful of Trump that it could have been just that, or it could have been uh, the the Bill Gates funded computer model that said there was going to be millions of coronavirus deaths in the country. Okay. So you think so, it's possible that he got the talking to in that 48 hours? Body. Or it's possible that he just made up his own mind. But he, okay. there was a lot of emails happening, and, and, and he switched from being rational to irrational. And, and ever since then, it was uh, you know, basically everything Trump says is wrong and uh, everything the Democrat administration says is right. So you know, I, I don't know what caused that. I didn't read the email myself, but that's kind of the way I saw it too, you know, it, he, he started off kind of rational and then just flipped, you know? Yeah. Well, again, early on, like, you know, Trump was supporting him, right? Like hey, he's, right. he's the guy and he's still a doctor, 
right? right. So even if it's, a, I, you know, I don't want to discredit um, his position based on the fact that he's now in a, a position of politics, um, only because I can imagine there needing to be a figurehead who understands what the real doctors and scientists are saying, right? Like if, if you know, if, if, the, if the lab technician is like debriefing Joe Biden, I don't think you're going to get accurate communication um, and I don't think you're going to get an accurate relay of that communication to the general public. So having, having someone who's, you know, a, a political figure with a, with a medical background, um, I think solves some of that problems because they, yeah, can, they I, can translate. So I don't, that, you know. And that's probably why the position exists. Right. Except there's, there's a problem when that, when that, position is politically compromised and he's no longer being a doctor or scientist. He's, he's just spouting what the left uh, wing is telling him to say. Right. And that part, I will agree with you. And it's, and in that, in, it seems what you're saying is in that 48 hour period, that's when that shift happened, right? He was, a, and, he was a, doc, a, a rational medical professional with a, you know, medical advice coming out the gates. And then somewhere along the line went, Nope, this is a political football and, now. And also, what might have made it political, and it's hilarious, and this, I guess this is what all the debate is about, is that, well, if he can somehow be linked to the actual release of the virus, then you better bet he's going to be on the leftist side that says there's no possible way it could be, it came, came from a lab, right? So, you know, all that, all that might be true. I don't know. Yeah, well, but, if, but now that it is out, right, and then he has been linked to a lab, the lab, the Wuhan lab, um, not, not that he released the virus on purpose, right? That's another thing that I don't know if it's, if it's been made clear at all is that, um, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to believe that this was a purposeful release of a, a highly contagious virus, right? Yeah. Who knows? Right. But there's also uh, audio of him, uh, saying that, you know, Trump was going to have to face a surprise outbreak so yeah and that look again that looks bad in hindsight <laughs> sure uh, does <laughs> right but if you know if this is what this is what i've said from the beginning right like i i want to I, I i don't know if i'm playing devil's advocate but i want to give like some benefit to some doubt right right um playing with viruses is what scientists do right and, <laughs> well it's what they were banned from doing <laughs> Well, in the U.S. at least, <laughs> right? Which is which is why it goes to China. And should they be banned? I don't think so, right? I mean, if if you want to push forward science and technology, you gotta you gotta do experiments. Well, it, it depends why. What's what's the purpose of making a virus that you know came from a bat that goes to a human and and then trying to make it stronger and and more deadly? Again, man, because that's what scientists do. Like I don't figuring stuff out and and toying with those types of things is is like the task that I assign to scientists, right? They go like, I wonder what will happen if we do this and then they <laughs> conduct experiments well, and they but, publish results. I, I wonder what would happen if we made a virus that's a hundred times more deadly than the coronavirus that we just had. It's like, well, we yeah. know what will happen. It'll be a hundred times more deadly. <laughs> like, what, what, well, maybe, what maybe you got to test it. You got to test the hypothesis. You got to create it and then you got to test it. And I, I leave that task to scientists and labs. Well, it depends what you want them to test. <laughs> what, I, I don't care because I'm not a scientist. What, I, what? I wonder what would happen if we pushed the earth into the sun. Well, we'll just leave it up to the scientists to figure that out. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> Someone has to test it I, out. No, it, do, it doesn't have to be tested is my point. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you, let's add one additional factor here. Let's say with liability. I mean, you can do the testing. I can see your, your point, Rich, that they uh, can be allowed to do the testing. But if by doing so they re wind up injuring people, then they have to be fully accountable for the injury that they do. And I would agree with that, which, yeah. which may be the factor, uh, to your point, uh, MC, of why they wouldn't do it. Because if they can be held completely liable for the outcomes of their tests, right, then maybe some of those things like pushing the earth into the sun or creating a virus a hundred times more deadly, right? No longer seems like a financially good idea. And so they don't do the test. Um, but I don't, you know, if, 
if testing things out, right, and, and thinking through things and trying to, and problem solving, I guess, um, you know, uh, in, in the field of medicine, right? Like I mean, that's, there's, that's what there's a simpler do. way to look at this, and that's the question, should the government? And the answer is always no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, but I'm so not. Should should the government pay people to to study uh, uh, gain of function uh, coronaviruses uh, or any virus? Probably probably not. You know. Well, no. You and, already said the answer is no. Should the government pay for it? No. But should it be done so, if someone's willing to pay? So one of the reasons why the government should not do things is because for for one strange reason, once people get paid. They justify whatever they're doing. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, killing people or whatever, but they're getting paid, so therefore it must be the right thing to do. Somebody's paying me to do it. No, it's, no, it's, it's the government. It's, it's the, the thing that people worship. Well, now it's excellent for me to do this because it's, you know, the, the all-powerful government that's paying me to do it. So, yeah, yeah, it's, so, yeah that's, it's, it's real simple. Government should not do it. I don't know if there would be a, a private company reason for, for uh, producing a gain of function uh, virus, I, I just don't get it. But um, well, know, are we going to leave that to the scientists? You know, I, I hope not. I, I hope we go, no, we, we don't do that. It's uh, I don't know if we could say it's against the law, but whatever it is, I would implore people, please don't do that. And I, I think that's the best you can do. Now, should they do it? Probably not. Are they allowed to do it? I wouldn't argue against it if, as long as it's not state funded, right? If like if Pfizer or Moderna or whoever these other vaccine makers like want to do scientific experiments to push the medical field forward, right? I would say that how, that seems how, to be the role of the scientist. Like what else would how, you have scientists do? How would it push the medical field forward? By experimenting in the field of medicine for, you know, new, new vaccines, new cures, new, whatever, whatever it is that they do. Um, so I, you think they're, they're creating this extra tough virus so that they can create an extra tough vaccine for it? I don't know. I don't know why they created the virus, but what I'm saying is in, in the realm of medicine, right? Testing test and, and the, in the realms of science and medicine, testing hypothesis is kind of like what I attribute that field to do. If, if they're not going to be doing that, like why would there be scientists anywhere? What would they study? What would they do? What would, how would they add value to society um, if not finding more creative solutions to, you know, human problems? Well, it depends fields. if you're creating solutions or you're doing science to create problems. Got it. I, I hear you, and, but I'm not a scientist, so I couldn't tell you. I couldn't say that. Yeah, they're, you know, all I'm they're, saying is there's, there's good science and there's bad science. Sure. <laughs> and, and privately funded science. So I could I care think, less as, as long as what Ken said. What, one of the guys that we talked to recently, he's a, a proponent, proponent of changing the, or, or adding to libertarianism by saying uh, a live and let live philosophy. And he said, so live and let live, but here are the rules. No fraud, force, or coercion or creating excessive risk. And so creating a uh, vaccine that has been enhanced, I'm not vaccine, a virus, creating a virus that has been enhanced falls into the category of excessive risk. And that's so why it's So does okay. speeding down the highway. Yeah, and that's why we have laws against it, supposedly. Yeah, I, supposedly, but if, if private roads, right, there, there may not be laws against it. And you couldn't... Or there, or there may be more. Or, and there may be more. You're right. But what I'm saying is, you know, there, there's a lot of things that people do regularly that create excessive risk, and I don't think I would ban that um, or or say that that is uh, fundamentally opposed to libertarian philosophy, right? No, no auto racing, no skydiving, no wakeboarding. Yeah, there has to be a way to determine what is excessive risk, and oh, yeah. that prob- probably has to do with you know. What is the risk to people that are not involved in that activity? Yeah. Well, if, so. if you know, um, we, we have a friend of the show, right, who has a, has a house near a marina. And, you know, he's, he's got his boat dock outside of his, you know, front uh, backyard, whatever. Um, and, you know, there's a, a water sports um, company that also has a spot in the marina. Um, and they will take people out 
you know, wakeboarding, you know, tubing, whatever. And sometimes that wake rocks our friend's boat dock. And boy, does he get pissed, right? You guys can't create the wake that rocks my boat dock. That's against the marina rules and policies. Well, you know, so he's claiming damages you know, by just average everyday water sports activities. Excessive risk, libertarian claim to damages. Seems excessive to me. Yeah, maybe. I hope they figure it out. Oh, I, each other. I hope they, yeah, I hope they figure it out, but I don't, I don't think I would put excessive risk, um, into libertarian philosophy, right? Like damn, there, there has to be some sort of measurable damage for you to make a claim, right? Otherwise who's, who's responsible for, um, enforcing the, the no excessive risk policy, and then how do you adjudicate that afterwards, right? This, I mean, I don't want to take it there, but this goes back to the whole, like, you know, can you own, can an individual own nuclear weapons in a libertarian society? And my answer has always been, sure, because who are you going to get to stop them, right? Can't stop them. The only way you can stop them is to initiate force. And then when you initiate force, you cease to be in a libertarian society. I don't know. Ken, do you have any thoughts about that or... No, I really am puzzled. Uh, I, I'm really <laughs> okay, we should we should move on then. Okay, not not not. I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying that you're wrong. You're probably right, Rich. Well, I, again, just it's. I don't know if my original point was about being right. It's just when I envision the role of scientists in society, right? Experimenting with dangerous things. I I've always envisioned as a part of that role, right? It could be Hollywood, right? Going like this is what the scientists do. And, you know, now there's, now there's an outbreak of some kind, right? But where, how else do these experiments get done? Who else, who else assumes that, you know, that role in society, um, if not the scientists? And if, they, and if it's going to be the scientists, well, like K.S. said, if something should go awry, there needs to be some sort of, of accountability on them to, you know, to, to remedy the damages. And even in this case, I think with the, the, the remedy of the damages – um, or the dam- the most of the damages was caused not by the scientists in the lab, not even by the leak of the virus, right? But by the the government response to all of that, right? Like the the virus look itself. At the, look at the levels of insulation that an experimenter has against uh, accountability. You know, they've they've got uh, if it's the government, they say we've got sovereign immunity. Well, if this guy screwed up and killed a hundred thousand people. Um, well, we'll we won't give him a promotion, or we'll give him a you know. Uh, I mean, there's there's there is no consequence even for corporations with, with uh, corporate limited liability. If it's a corporation that is funding a scientific research, it seems to me that you you have to abandon this notion of limited liability for corporations. Hold if you hold those people fully liable for. Uh, uh, for all of their wealth, who own a company, not just for their investment, but for their all of their wealth, you can bet they will be very, very careful on how that scientific uh, experimentation is going to be operated. And you can bet that they're going to have insurance companies that are also going to be fully, fully scrut- carefully scrutinizing anything that's done. So that probably, and people will say, well, then those risks won't be taken. And I'd say, well, yeah, that's where... Um, where it becomes beyond the pale when you're not willing to take the risk of uh, making whole people who were injured by your uh, behavior. I mean, I, I think that probably in that notion of full liability is the only way you're going to resolve that problem between uh, the... And I, I, I see, too, that the scientific exploration is necessary so that you know... Uh, how to be able to handle that, uh, a, uh, a disease that is going to be coming up. I mean, they do happen naturally in, in the world as uh, has been the human history. And it's nice to be able to have the science to, to deal with it. Um, but um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. It's a very really. Yeah. I think, I think you're on, I think you're on the right track with the liability issue. If it if it if the discussion is boiled down to that essence, um, I think there can be a, a solution that you know 
society as a whole might be comfortable with, right? Yes, you're allowed to experiment. Yes, you should have, you know, it, it would behoove you to then get insurance um, because every death that can be traced back to your, you know, negligence um, in the in the lab setting, you know, you will be held accountable for, right? And then see what happens then. But I don't, yeah, but I, I, I don't think the, I don't think, you know, the correct answer is to stifle scientific exploration, um, the, 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 as, you know, yeah. as has been suggested, regardless I, I of what it think- is. Uh, too much science is being done by our insane government. So for the longest time, yeah, experimenting with these viruses was legal and, and promoted in, inside the U.S. until 2016 when it was banned, and then they moved it overseas. So um, I still think the problem is, is government funding and uh, theft and just insane government bureaucrats that dream up these things yeah again i'm not i'm not going to i'm not going to suggest that these these explorations should be done at the you know at the behest of the government using government funds and and taxpayer money um but i i I do think that people will seek a profit in them and will take that now it's funny it's funny you mentioned the uh, the 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 2016 ban because that sparked a thought in my head that that could have been um where dr fauci you know got the, the impetus for his claim that Trump was going to have to deal with an outbreak or a pandemic of some kind, right? If you go like, well, we know how secure and safe, you know, U.S. labs are and have been throughout history. <laughs> and if we're not going to allow it to be done here in the safety and security of our own labs, all you're, you know, subconsciously maybe, all you're really going to do is push that elsewhere where it's, you know, less secure, less regulated, more dangerous, um, and yeah, if you if you don't allow it here, yeah, you could face a global pandemic if you know if they're if they're splicing genes in you know China or India, Taiwan or wherever it happens to be. No offense to nope. any of those country <laughs> scientists, but you get what I'm saying. Like maybe that was his thought process. I don't know. Yeah, we don't really know what his thought process is. That's always a hard thing to do. Yeah, but but he said it right, and then it happened, yep. and then like oh, what? Then then the conspiracy theorists come out and go like, what did he know? What did he know and when did he know it? Apparently he knew a lot because that's what the email suggested. All right, moving on. Moving on. Sure. All right, let's stick with China because I'm sure this is related. Biden to ban investments in 59 Chinese companies, including Huawei and China's largest chip maker uh, from Zero Hedge. Yep, Zero Hedge. As we first previewed yesterday, President Biden on Thursday, this is a recent article, says this is the... uh, maybe this past Thursday or the Thursday before as referenced here, signed an executive order banning investments in 59 companies, including marquee Chinese groups such as Huawei, the telecoms equipment manufacturer and semiconductor manufacturing international corporation, China's largest chip maker, which U.S. intelligence says is critical to the Chinese military. Other notable companies include included are Aviation Industries Corporation of China, China National Offshore Oil Corporation, China Railway Construction Corporation, China National Nuclear Corporation, China Mobile, Zhongzhang Electronic. Um, I don't know if you can see the article in front of you, KS. If I'm pronouncing this stuff wrong, because you are more intimate with the Chinese language than I am, please correct me. Zhangji uh, Hongdu Aviation, as well as telecom giants China Mobile, China Telecom, and China Unicom. Uh, the executive order, which prohibits direct investment in both debt and equity securities, but also bans Americans from investing in funds that contain Chinese securities in their portfolios, is meant to stop U.S. capital from being used by China to undermine national security. The new Treasury list, which supersedes an EO executive order first signed by Trump, will replace the existing Department of Defense lists of companies with alleged ties to Chinese military and is part of a broader series of steps by the administration to counter China. The order will amend the Trump order and list to make it broader and more legally defensible in court. Uh, the U.S. Treasury will oversee enforcement of the list, which will be updated a- on a rolling basis with new companies. As the FT adds, um, I think it's Financial Times, senior U.S. officials said the ban would take effect on August 2nd, but investors can make trades during the next 12 months to divest their holdings. While Americans are not required to divest the securities, they will be unable to sell their holdings after the one-year period has elapsed. The new executive order signals the administration's intent 
to sustain and build upon prohibitions on Chinese defense companies in order to ensure that U.S. persons are not financing the military-industrial complex of the People's Republic of China, said one senior U.S. official. The prohibitions are intentionally targeted and scoped to maximize the impact on the targets while minimizing harm to the global markets. Biden's order is an extension of a similar order signed last year by Donald Trump, which banned investments in companies that the Pentagon put on a list of groups with suspected links to the People's Liberation Army. But the move caused confusion in financial markets because it came with little guidance about implementation. U.S. courts also later ruled that the government had not provided sufficient evidence in some cases to justify putting a company on the target list. The senior officials said Biden's order would ensure that the investment ban was on stronger legal footing. They added it would expand the Trump order to include surveillance companies, including Hikvision, that are accused of helping Beijing persecute more than one million Muslim Uyghurs uh, who have been held in detention camps in the northwestern region of Xinjiang. Later on Thursday, the Pentagon is expected to release an updated version of its list of Chinese companies that with PLA connections after Congress required the Defense Department to provide a new list each year. But the senior officials said the Pentagon list would have no bearing on the investment ban outlined in the new executive order. The officials said the Pentagon list would give it flexibility to message publicly to a wide range of stakeholders about companies that have a wide range of linkages to the different parts of the Chinese government. And now we wait for China's response, which will hardly be favorable as Beijing was con confident that by investing, quote-unquote, in Hunter Biden, all such unpleasantries could be avoided. Uh, zinger right there at the end. Um, so, 59 companies. Who the hell does Joe Biden think he is telling investors where they can and cannot spend their hard-earned money? Your thoughts? Well, a couple things come to mind. One is that I'm uh, astounded at how the U.S. government will borrow more than a trillion dollars of money from the Chinese, by selling U.S. government bonds to the Chinese government. Um, and frankly, I think that this does a tremendous uh, uh, disservice to the whole U.S. economy. It, it keeps the United States dollar at a very strong level, which means that uh, these investments are encouraged by the strong U.S. dollar. And it shouldn't. A free market means that if we have trade deficits, the dollar should go down in value so that we can't buy as much in the future. And the investments, the investors can't purchase as much. So the United States government has been encouraging investment abroad by keeping the value of the dollar high. Uh, so therefore, more money goes to China to invest in those things. Well, they're not discouraging investment abroad. They're discouraging investment in Chinese military companies. Big difference, right? No? Yeah, yeah. But okay. I mean, here they've got two essentially. Well, yeah, it's true. They're targeting particular companies they shouldn't shouldn't be investing in. But every time the government sets up a list, you know that there's a whole lot of politicking going on behind determining who gets on that list and, and uh, who gets the exceptions. There's always going to be exceptions that will be granted, yeah. and those are huge opportunities for corruption. Well, and, and as, as an investor, right, you're, you're only, well, maybe not only, but you, the, the biggest motivator for you is making money, right? And if, and if these particular industries in China give you, like, the most bang for your investment buck, right, Who's to tell you no if it's your money and your risk, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that the United States, I mean, uh, these companies then claim, well, we did business with them, and then they, quote, stole our ideas and our technology. Well, and then Trump uh, stepped in to rescue them. Oh, they're stealing our technology. Well, excuse me, when any company does business with China or any other country around the world, if they're doing business and they don't put in uh, measures, safeguards uh, against the transfer of technology that they don't want to occur, that's their own fault and their own business. And but unfortunately, Trump came to their rescue and said, "Oh, we're going to we're going to punish them for doing this." And that meant that other industries, innocent industries and consumers, were hurt by all the tariffs that were imposed. Uh, 
So yeah, I, I, I think the U.S. government ought to stay completely out of all that stuff. Yeah. <coughs> one, one of the things yeah. I found interesting. They, oh, go ahead. If, if they have a contract with a, a military producer, if the U.S. government has a military contract, then it could put into a provision, we'll, ha- we'll buy stuff from you on the condition that we're the exclusive buyer. You can't sell to somebody else. Okay, that's, that's uh, the condition that you might have uh, for exclusivity. And then the company has to make the evaluation, is it worth it to us to have that exclusive provision with the U.S. military? Because they're getting a lot of money from the U.S. military. Yeah. Well, in China, and, sure, why not? Because you just start up another company doing the exact same thing, mostly out of the exact same factory, right? And that's the one that sells it to civilians, right? Or, or yeah. other countries. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chinese company A can be exclusive to the United States, but we're going to run that factory another 12 hours a day and sell to, you know, uh, Canadian company B. Like, who cares? It's a, it's a silly, it's a silly, it's a silly clause, you know, especially when dealing, uh, with the, with, uh, with with the Chinese market. Um, one of the things I found interesting, several weeks ago, we were at a, a brunch, potluck brunch, um, and, you know, the, the table topic came up with, like, intellectual property. And I went, is this not already settled, like in libertarian circles, you know, for, for a number of reasons? Um, and apparently not. So, like, you know, throughout this discussion, um, one of the gentlemen we we're talking to, his wife, you know, who's like worked in the medical, uh, worked as an attorney, excuse me, um, was like very much pro IP, but I would, but self-identified, you know, and, and married a, a staunch libertarian. Um, and so they're, you know, they, they're like, well, this needs to be, you know, uh, a, a debate topic for one of their future events. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'm coming to that, but it seems you know, it, it seems odd that it's not um, it's not settled within libertarian circles, let alone outside of it, right? Like, I, 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 can, I can picture companies going like, well, the Chinese stole our ideas, or they stole our products, or we, we hired them to manufacture it, and they, they're just they're selling our prototypes and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I go, I go like, so what, right? Like, like you said, if it, if it wasn't in the contract that they couldn't, right, and, you know, in some sort of, like, future damages, perhaps, well, then what can you do? The, the minute you put something out to market, you know, and, and got it f- out of your, out of the realm of your imagination and into like physical space, right? You, you lose control of the idea. It's no longer yours. You have shared it with the world. Um, so wh- whether or not the, the, these Chinese companies are like stealing ideas from U.S. companies, well, that's, that's, that's how it works, man. Like, you know, outside from that philosophically, it's, you know, it's a scarcity mindset. Right, like, oh, well, if I, why would anyone make anything uh, if they know that the Chinese are just going to steal it and make it cheaper? I don't know because you get to be the one who said you did first. Plenty of reasons. You just want to help yeah. out. That's, you know, uh, Rich. That's a great idea. I think I'll steal it. Please, do. <laughs> I don't care. Isn't that bizarre? How any idea? I mean, we often uh, get excited about. Getting ideas. That's the whole world is filled with getting ideas from other people. In fact, even the inventor had to have gotten ideas for the invention from hundreds of sources throughout their life. Yeah. So it was, uh, standing on the, the shoulders of giants. Yeah, exactly. I get excited when someone steals my idea because I yeah. go like, great. It's flattery. It should be flattery. <laughs> well, it's not just flattery. I go good because I wasn't actually going to implement it and now I can buy it. <laughs> like yeah, I'm yeah. glad someone else thought of that because now there's a product that I wish I had years ago, but was, you know, did not want to bring to market myself through mostly sheer laziness um, and, and other excuses. Right. And that's the key. The, 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 what really matters is not just coming up with the idea, but getting it all the way to service the consumer who actually pays then something for the value created. Cause yeah. the value isn't just in the idea. The value is in also the idea of creating um, the product or service. Yeah. And but if, if, whole- if you bring it to market and then China immediately steals it, right. Yeah. Then, then the, 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 the counter argument is that no one would bring anything to market anymore because <laughs> they know it's going to be stolen immediately and they will not profit from it. Right. Companies will not, scientists 
will not invest in research and development if as soon as they come up with a cure for something, it's going to be immediately uh, reverse engineered and and under and the price undercut because the other company didn't have the R and D costs, so they don't have to recoup anything. It's just all profit. So you know, for them, and that presumes that. The only motivator that an inventor has is that he's going to earn some money from it. And that's not true at all. Throughout history, inventors, um, humans have been curious and inventive for a lot of reasons, just for the fun of it. Uh, and there are, you know, money is the motivator for some, but it's not the motivator for everybody. And um, so you can't exclude everybody else just because the one who wants it for money is the one who dominates the the, the the field of ideas. Right. And again, it's, it's, I found it amazing that like this mini debate was still happening between libertarians. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely true. Like I even the, not within libertarian quarters at all. Like even the border issue, I don't want to transition to a border issue. get too far off topic, but even the border issue, right? Like open versus closed borders. Like, how did that re-crop up as yeah. a debate within libertarian circles? That's right. Right? That's right. Like, all, all, of, a, all of a sudden, libertarians seem to be splintered um, on things that should not be that contentious. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, right. you know, I'm, I'm spitballing a little bit here, but like, when did that start? How did that happen? Is it, is it a, an infiltration? into you know libertarian politics by by being too wide of a tent too big of a tent and letting people bring these counter ideas in i don't know i also don't want to get into it if you have some thoughts go for it but i don't you know it's just that i people live with inconsistencies i you know they they advocate and mouth the the principle the non-aggression principle but uh it's it's so tempting to forget it when applying it to the issues of the day. And yeah. so people are always doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's move away from that article briefly because um, when I'm not going to play this, but MC, you put, you put in a, in, into the show prep here, a YouTube video that I've, I've seen the actual article for. I'm only going to read the headline. We're not going to play the video. I'm just going to use it to maybe highlight um, this inconsistency with, you know, um, um, amongst and between libertarians. So the, high, the, the title of your YouTube video was 12-year-old boy and 14-year-old girl have shootout with cops, right? Seems bizarre yep. that they would do that. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I put that in there. Right. And, and I, I found this article, um, you know, a few days ago. Not, it's got to be the same story. I, can't, I didn't watch the video yet, but it's got to be. How, many, how often does this happen? <laughs> right? Very rare. Within a, very rare. Um, and I put in the uh, in the show prep group for Free Talk Live, um, just you know because it, it seemed topical at the time. I wanted you know I wanted them to have it you know the, 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 a similar um, a, a similar headline, and like my little mini commentary on the headline was, oh th- these must have been um, uh, um, disciples of the invisible hand, and that makes no sense. Uh, without context. So the, the Pope or the former Pope of the church of the invisible hand, uh, Pope, nobody, as he was called, um, it was recently like held, was recently arrested as part of the crypto six, um, you know, arrest raid back in March. And five people of them have been released with conditions and Pope, nobody is the only one that is now held in detention. Um, until trial like they're they're probably going to appeal this decision um but he is you know he he had his bail hearing and it was determined that he was a threat uh to society or that he was a danger to himself or the community um and so he's like he, he he didn't get out on bail and so i said like you know um my my comment in the group was basically like they must be disciples of the pope and then someone's like, "Why the you know the Church of the Invisible Hand would never stay or do anything you know to to incite that?" And I go like, "Well, what are you talking about? Like you know he's he said you know the the Pope of the Invisible Hand said you know uh, it's time to shoot pigs, and all of a sudden these twelve and fourteen year old kid go out and like 
shoot some cops. Now, I'm not not saying causation is correlation or anything like that, but the timing does seem a little curious. And I'm joking, you know, generally about them being disciples of the Church of the Invisible Hand. It's in a group, you know, I'm allowed to joke around. Um, and then someone else, po- you know, posts like, when, when, did the, when did he say that? And so this is the, this is the quote um, from a phone call that he made after being arrested from a jail phone to a friend on the outside. Like foolishness that, you know, to, to have any sort of expectation of privacy uh, on, on, a, on a federal jail phone. Um, but he said, uh, here's a quote, after describing how upset he was with these pieces of shit have done to him, the defendant declared that somebody needs to start shooting pigs. This is the only way somebody needs to start shooting pigs. And it goes right there. Like I, I heard the tape, right? I seen the transcript. He's calling for the, you know, the, for, for shooting cops. And these two kids went and did that. Um, and the person I was chiming with is like, uh, I guess he's the new Pope. Although when he declared it to be so, I don't remember him saying that he was Pope. He said he was some, some sort of like new leader as the, as the Pope, nobody has been detained and is arrested and is going to be doing some stuff. He's kind of stepping down uh, from the head of the church of the invisible hand. And this other gentleman is taking up the mantle. So he's like, Oh, I am the new Pope of the church of the invisible hand. And I did not say that. And I was like, well, I concede, right? Like, okay, you're the new Pope. So the, the, the current Pope didn't say it. Whatever, but Pope nobody did say it. Uh, now, I say that, again, mostly to get that story out, but also to highlight um, the inconsistencies that people live with. Because when he was questioned about this, right, he was like, no, I'm, I'm a peaceful guy, even friends, right? They go, no, he's, he's harmless, he's peaceful, he would never do such a thing. Right, like they're they're trying to make a they're trying to make a case that you know this was this was not this was not received the way it was intended, right? Like, yeah, he said shoot pigs, but he he didn't really mean that. Um, but this is a guy who you know would would swear by the the he would swear by the non-aggression principle, um, you know, say that he's an adherent to it for the most part, right? As a as a an anarchist, as an anarcho-capitalist, or peaceful member of the church, um. But also then said, you know, then agreed. This is where I, you know, I know why he said it because he said this, you know, on record while he's being questioned, right? Like, don't you think that attacking government agencies and and police officers would be a violation of that non-aggression principle? And he agreed. Like, so he even he believes, uh, you know, in, in his own mind, right, that shooting cops would be a violation of the NAP, which is like one of his core beliefs, um, but yet advocates for it anyway. So... Again, just, you know, I don't know if they, if you guys have comments on that or want to talk about it. I'm just highlighting the fact that even even libertarians, anarchists, anarcho-capitalists, whatever you want to call it, um, struggle with these inconsistencies sometimes at the core. Um, and I think that you would not expect that typically, but it does happen. Do you guys have anything to say on that or are we just moving on? Well, I don't know. A, a guy in... in uh being controlled uh, by, you know, his physical body being controlled by the state, um, being asked whether or not he should attack the state, that you might not get the an honest answer out of him at that point. Yeah, I don't know. right. Which is why I go, like, I know why he said it. He said it because he okay, couldn't disagree so, with that and still expect yeah. to get out of jail. But, you know, right. after being on the record of saying, like, shoot the pigs, I don't know. I don't know how you backtrack from that, right? Like, well, you're not going to get out. Just double down and be true, <laughs> be true <laughs> to principle, man. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I don't maybe, know. maybe he was just uh, uh, talking about uh, butchers and uh, needing to, uh, you know, uh, maybe they're talking about real pigs. Not, not. Yeah, no, not yeah. at all. <laughs> like, That's I, what he's I, talking about. If you, re- if you really wanted to, I could take a minute and and find the entire transcript. But no, he was, <laughs> you know, he, he said oh. like he fired his, his original public attorney, right? And he's like on record saying like, this guy needs to fucking die. Right. Then he goes, you know, we need to start shooting pigs. Then he goes like, they'll never keep me alive because if they incarcerate me, I'll just, you know, overdose on heroin and kill myself. And he said, the, the only way to win this thing is to fucking set off the boogaloo, which was interesting in and of itself. Right. Because all of a sudden we, you have a federal judge who like has to have the definition of boogaloo made known to him. 
(laughs) (laughs) And to be fair, right, it seemed as though the prosecutor had the correct definition, which doesn't really appeal uh, to, 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 doesn't really help the case of the defendant, right? So they take a sidebar and then the defendant has to give out his own definition of the boogaloo. Um, and the definitions defend the definition, excuse me, the defendant's definition of boogaloo was basically like, um, what they expect to happen after the coming economic collapse of the United States, right? Not that they're advocating for it, not that they're pushing for it, not that they're going to instigate anything in some way, right? Like, you know, set off the civil war too, which is, which is what it means. Like, let's be clear about that. Uh, but no, that it's, you know, what, what we expect to happen after the coming economic collapse. So there's all, all this, you know, there's 16 minutes of audio of this conversation yeah. of which the prosecutor played five minutes of it in, in court that I, I was able to listen to. Uh, but all this backtracking, right, <laughs> over this nonsense. I, I think it's interesting that, that people care so much about what people say. I mean, you, you have freedom of speech. You're going to, you know, everybody's said things that they regret and it's taken the wrong way or taken the right way. Um, and I don't see what the big deal is. So, well, again, I, there's, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, he said what he said and it's basically because of what he said that he's being held. Um, but I, again, I just, I use that story just to highlight the, the inconsistencies amongst libertarians within libertarian thought and ideas, but also within their own head. Right. Like how can, how can you be, how can you be a peace advocate um, and then make those claims? Right. Like I, you know, I am all for peace, but I've, I've let that ideal go long ago. Right. I think it's worth trying, but I would never consider myself to be a, like a wholly peaceful individual or a pacifist in any way. Right. We do. My ideal is like we, we try everything before we get to the violence. Um, and then whoever wins must win with overwhelming violence. And that's that's like conflict resolution in my in my head. Right. So I don't you know, I don't I don't I don't pretend that it can that things exist otherwise, just that we try our best not to get to that point. Um, and peaceful resolution within libertarian ideals um, or anarchist ideals is preferable to the alternative. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Moving on. Speaking of violence and murder and mayhem, uh, neighbors fear bear themed compound will be the next Ruby Ridge. Uh, where was this from? MSN.com, which is weird because I usually don't get the full article, but this one was worthy enough of a, of a click on. Uh, an alt-right comedian's plan for a remote patch of land in Idaho have terrified his neighbors who fear it could become a hostile compound or mark the start of a new Ruby Ridge style standoff. Um, I think we read something similar uh, a couple of months ago in like from Alaska, right? Like there's, there's all these new compounds popping up um, from the white ringers as a way to get away from left wing cities and politics and whatnot. Uh, but but they're the violent ones. Uh, comedian Owen Benjamin once had a moderately successful Hollywood career, landing roles in movies and TV shows, and briefly becoming engaged to actress Christina Ricci. After moving to the right, he appeared on podcasts hosted by Joe Rogan, Stephen Crowder, and Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire. As his following amongst conservatives grew, however, Benjamin became increasingly racist and anti-Semitic. He repeatedly used the N-word at a February 2018 comedy show and embraced conspiracy theories about the Holocaust, claiming that Adolf Hitler was only trying to clean Germany of the parasites. Benjamin's broadcasts to his fans grew more erratic, seeing the one-time comedian embrace flat-earth theory and recommend drinking turpentine as a medicinal cure. See, someone has to do the science. Uh, But being on the Internet's fringes can be lonely, so Benjamin decided to build the place where his remaining bear-themed following, who call themselves unbearables, could meet in person. Exactly what Benjamin's intentions for the property in Sandpoint, Idaho, are has become a hot topic in Idaho's Boundary County. Dubbed Ursa Rio by Benjamin after the Moye River that abuts the property, the land marks the culmination of Benjamin's year-long plan to establish a gathering place for his fans. As Benjamin and his supporters set up basic sanitation and housing on the property, Benjamin's neighbors are getting nervous 
urging local officials to step in and issue a cease and desist order blocking construction. You are the only people who can prevent this reenactment of Ruby Ridge, a flyer distributed at a hearing last week urging county commissioners to block construction on Benjamin's property reads. For Benjamin's opponents, the prospect of a far-right encampment in Idaho recalls the state's history with other extremists. The Aryan Nation once ran a compound in the state. In 1992, three people were killed in the Ruby Ridge standoff between federal agents and white separatist Randy Weaver. The controversy... Oh, where'd it go? Sorry, lost my spot. The controversy... There we go. The page, like, jumped on me somehow. The controversy over Benjamin's property was first reported by the Co'otenai Valley Times and the Bonner Ferry Herald. In an April 14th letter obtained by the Times... The man who sold the land to Benjamin warned a county planner that the situation could have an unpleasant outcome, saying he had to read a Twitter post after the sale about the possibility that Benjamin's fans would flock to the remote area. I'm telling you this because I was recently made aware of an unsettling situation with potential unpleasant outcomes and what to do everything I can prevent it, the land's previously owner wrote. Benjamin has pitched Ursa Rio as an unbearable haven. His supporters refer to Benjamin as Big Bear and often take bear-related aliases of their own, adopting bear handles based on their personalities or what they can contribute to Benjamin's cause in a style reminiscent of the Care Bears. The roots of the class over Ursa Rio began last year when Benjamin began raising funds for Bearteria, a then unspecified place he imagined as a location where Benjamin and his bears could lead the simple rural lifestyle Benjamin has advocated for after detonating his entertainment career. Benjamin, who said he wasn't allowed to have internet friends at, at his actual home, said Bear Terria would be a place where he could meet his internet friends with 10% of the land set aside for camping as a refuge. I'm not allowed to have internet friends at my home, said Benjamin in one video, but if we get land and yurts, internet friends... In exchange for a $400 donation, Benjamin said in a June 2020 video his bears would be entitled to a two-week vacation on the land. After fundraising to buy a much larger, better-equipped property for Bear Terria fell short, however, Benjamin backed away from his camping offer, pitching Bear Terria as more of a concept than an actual place and calling himself an idiot for offering to exchange the $400 donation for camping rights. Don't plan your life around Bear Terria at all, Benjamin cautioned his fans. In an email to the Daily Beast, Benjamin now says many of his donors will never come to the Idaho property, describing it as a place for families to take their kids fishing and sleep under the stars. It's a private residence, not commercial, and we have no obligation to donors, as was indicated on the website Benjamin wrote. A group of nine of Benjamin's neighbors have grown concerned about the prospect of Benjamin's fans trekking out to the property, which they say is zoned for agriculture and forest uses. In an email to county officials, one neighbor pointed out that the property isn't serviced by utilities, raising the threat that inexperienced campers could start forest fires in their attempts to have a campfires. The property is connected to a narrow crude road, according to neighbors whose meager maintenance amounts to residents adding rocks to it every year. Benjamin's neighbors have become alarmed over the possibility of organized military training on the property. This poses a clear and present danger of Vietnam War veteran who lives near Benjamin told the Times, this is a commercial enterprise offering training in weapons and tactics and not a use allowed in this zone. There is no conceivable reason to allow this use. If we wait too long, it will be too late. Benjamin told the Daily Beast no guns have been fired on the property since he purchased it, but his attempts to downplay the possibility of guns at Ursa Rio have been undermined by his habit of describing grandiose plans for the land in hours-long live streams several weeks uh, uh, time with the most incendiary statements archived and analyzed by his online detractors. For example, Benjamin had often referenced having a paramilitary force at his property, saying he is friends with basically a paramilitary group in Idaho. If you try to squat on my land when I offer you campgrounds, I have my own paramilitary squad, Benjamin said in one video, warning off bears who might try to live on the land permanently. I'd have my own private paramilitary force, which is always a good thing, Benjamin said in another, another video. Benjamin insists he was just joking about the paramilitary. I do not have a paramilitary squad, Benjamin told the Daily Beast in an email. I was making a joke as a comedian, unless you consider my goats and chickens a military. In his video, Benjamin has also discussed the prospect of guns at Bearteria. Uh, Shooting range, Benjamin said in one video describing his plans for a bear-themed community in Idaho. Yes. Will there be a gun range? Yes. 
By his own accounts, Benjamin does not come off as an ideal neighbor. In several videos, he relates stories where he berates store employees or fellow customers who ask him to wear a face mask. In one incident, according to Benjamin, he called an elderly man in his post office who asked him to wear a mask, a crusty old hunchback, and accused him of being a pervert, says, the, says that masks are only used by criminals or perverts. After a report in the area covered the controversy over Benjamin's property, the comedian baselessly accused the reporter during a live stream of being a pedophile and mocked him for using a wheelchair. The Boundary County Commissioner didn't respond to requests for comment. Commissioners are talking with other local officials about how to respond to the construction, according to the Times. Benjamin purchased the property through real estate broker Todd Savage, who described him as a strategic relocation consultant, assisting conservative city dwellers relocating to rural areas like the plot Benjamin purchased. In a video on the website for his company, Black Rifle Real Estate, Savage's business is described as helping people move to places where where we support our nation and its allies in the fight against radical terrorism and where the residents proudly support Blue Lives Matter. Savage told the Daily Beast that he sees an uptick in business as conservative urbanites try to move to rural areas, but Savage won't work with just any buyer. His website warns that snowflakes and Marxists need not apply. We only work with people who are libertarian right. End of story, Savage told the Daily Beast, because we want people who will have the same belief systems around us, and that's okay. Uh, end of the article. MC, your thoughts. Is that okay? And should we worry about Ruby Ridge too? As long as this is not in my neighborhood. Would you move uh, there? I mean, does does the... the... <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay. I, uh, because not being in your neighborhood is what his neighbors are fighting against, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, good luck to them. I, you know, they're going to like, it's another one of those, they're going to have to figure it out. Hopefully they do it without shooting each other. Yeah. And, you know... The odd thing is, right, if they, if they don't figure it out, this is where the state comes into play, right? The likelihood is they're, if they're worried about Ruby Ridge and he's talking about guns and gun ranges, that the people in Barataria will be armed uh, and their neighbors will then use the force of the state to, to, you know, to eradicate them with overwhelming violence, right? So if they leave him alone, the likelihood is that there won't be a new Ruby Ridge because it's his land, his property, his people— he can do what he wants. The only time it becomes a Ruby Ridge, which which is what the neighbors fear, is when they butt their nosy ass neighbor noses in and bring in the state to to settle things. Right. All right. Any other thoughts? No. Nope. Final thoughts. All right. That'll do it for us then. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Anarchist Experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.